This is realestateinvestingmastery.com. Hey everybody, Joe McCall here. Real quick before we go to the podcast, I have a quick announcement to give to you. Um, recently, a lot of people have been contacting me, asking me for coaching or consulting. A lot of people want some help doing their first deal. Some people want help doing more deals. They've already done some and they just want their business to grow. Well, I've created a new website um, and I wanted to just throw it out at at you and, and, and take a look at it if you're interested. Uh, JoeMcCall.com, J-O-E. M-C-C-A-L-L.com. And I've created a new coaching program, and it's kind of unique. Um, basically, what I'm going to do is sit down with you and talk for 45 to 60 minutes, evaluate your business, where you are, where you want to be, and then I'm going to give you a plan for how to grow your business, do your first deal. And if you feel like I've wasted your time, I'm going to give you $1,000. It's kind of cool. So check it out, JoeMcCall.com, if you're interested in some coaching, getting some help. I'd love to work with you. Now, let's go to the podcast. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. We have another awesome, exciting episode for you. Alex, how are you, man? I'm doing great. I'm looking forward to this one. We've uh, we've interviewed them. I be- uh, this this wonderful couple, I think, uh, two times before. We almost had a uh, like a two part. Deal. Right, we had a it, we interviewed him once before, and it was a two part. We broke it up into two parts because it was so long, such great content. And uh, I I saw them uh, a few weeks ago in New Orleans, and I wish I could say I saw them in New Orleans for the Super Bowl, but it was uh, we, we saw them at a at a retreat mastermind, and uh, they're just that, doing some awesome that, things. Huh? That, if you saw them for the Super Bowl, that would have been a lights out event. <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da. Everybody, just be quiet for a minute and let that soak in. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> so, uh, well, cool. I want to get into this right away because we have a lot to cover. But I got to tell you a funny story first, Alex. Uh, my my wife homeschools our two older boys. They're nine and cool. seven, maybe eight. Jeez, no, he turns eight in May. So anyway, he's nine and seven. And so we had this, uh, it's like a civics history type of a lesson, and one it was about uh, taxes. And they were talking about the Boston Tea Party and, uh, you know, the reasons for the revolution and stuff. And the uh, so we, we, we didn't tell them it was about taxes, you know. So we, we got, we gave each of the boys 20 uh, uh, chocolate chips, and they were all excited. They were, oh, yeah, chocolate chips, you know. And we each gave them 20 chocolate chips, and we said, okay, let's pretend you know you were working all day and you got these 20 chocolate chips. Now we're going to talk about taxes. And they said, huh, what are taxes? And we said, okay, now you're going to have to take three of your chocolate chips and give them to me because that's going to have to pay for um, your federal taxes. So they like we, they, we took three chocolate chips away from them. They're like, oh, no way. And we said, okay, now you have to give us another three or two for your state income tax. And, we took, and then we took some for property taxes. And then we took some from sales tax. <laughs> and it was so funny to see their faces like drop. They were just so devastated. These chocolate chips, we were taking them away from them and giving them to different things. And then we said, okay, now we're going to have to give your chocolate chips to all of these other people over here who didn't work as hard as you did, but they get these chocolate chips and they can, <laughs> and they, they were like so devastated. They're like, no, no I don't want to give any of my chocolate chips away, <laughs> man. I want to keep as many of mine as I can. <laughs> it was so funny to see them like go from elation. Oh, we get chocolate chips, you know, they're fruits of their labor and they didn't even really work for them. I think we need to do this lesson again where we make like we make them do a bunch of yard work all day or something like that, right? And then bring them in, give them chocolate chips, and then take them. And away. then have some, bring some kids in that just sit on the steps. Yes, and watch them. yes. Bring in. <laughs> we're gonna do this next time. We'll bring in some kids <laughs> from the down the street and make our kids give them their chocolate <laughs> chips. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and so they work like eight hours. Well, first, this is what we'll do. We'll make them work for eight hours. Okay. 
And then by the fourth hour, we tell them, okay, all of that work you did up to the four hours, all of that money you get goes to taxes and paying off, paying all the taxes. And so the rest, the other four hours will be anything that you can keep. Whatever it is, there's a certain percentage of, of your annual work goes to taxes. But uh, I just thought that was a great lesson. And if anybody has kids, um, it's, you know, even if they're, they're in public school, I'm sure that they don't teach taxes the way <laughs> that way. But uh, I learned a-, a lot from that, Joe, actually. I was like, wow, yeah, I am giving all my chocolate chips away. Yeah. <laughs> Enough. Sorry about that little side rabbit trail. I, I just thought it was funny and I wanted to bring it up and. No, it's definitely true. Definitely true. I'll uh, I'll have to teach my kids that way too. I mean, my my oldest is only four, and the next one behind him is two, and the the one behind uh, him is about ten months. So we got a little bit to go, but you know, chocolate chips, Thomas trains, cars, whatever, we'll make it work. You know, one thing that <laughs> one thing that we should do is, um, you know, right now when you work, if you if you work for an employer, right, um, you. You get a certain you get the, the taxes taken out of your paycheck every two weeks, okay? But I bet you I bet you tax policy will change really really quickly if we change that to make it where everybody every two weeks or once a month had to write a check to the IRS to pay their taxes. Do you think things would change if we started making people do that? <laughs> um, yeah, probably. Right? Well, I think so. People would start to th- wake up and realize, oh my gosh, you know, I'm giving 30, 40% of my money away to taxes. Where is this money going to again? People would pay a little more attention to that instead of just trusting, you know, mother government to take care of us all. Um, okay, so sorry about that. Let's get going into this. Um, this isn't a show about taxes or about homeschooling or about kids, it's about real estate and uh, how you can. Make money in real estate and escape the rat race and start being independent and work, being able to work for yourself and not relying on uh, an employer to cut you a paycheck um, because we all know that you could lose a job at any minute. And I think Keith and Shannon have a really neat story that we've talked about in the past uh, where they were working and how their employer basically owned their lives and sent them around all over the world without really much of their permission. But um, – Anyway, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com to get our Fast Cash Survival Kit. And uh, it's a really cool bonus that we've given on our website that tells you how we wholesale properties, how we flip properties, how we use virtual assistants, the importance of marketing and the right marketing to use, all that good stuff. So check that out. But um, cool. Hey, Keith and Shannon, are you there? Hey, Joe and Alex. We're here. Yeah. Hey, Joe. How's it going? Hey, Alex. Hey. (laughs) We are so glad you guys are here. Keith and Shannon French, who used to live in Baltimore. Um, those of you that don't know or have not listened to our old podcast episode, just stop where you're listening now and go back and listen to those first couple ones. Um, they're really, really good. Also, on my website, I have a great interview with Keith and Shannon at WholesalingLeaseOptions.com. And uh, they're doing some awesome things, and, and they have an amazing story. We spent more time talking about that on the last episode um, kind of where they were and then uh, how they started having seeing success and the kind of lifestyle they're living now. I saw them in New Orleans, and I really wanted to talk to them for this podcast again because they've left Baltimore. They're now in Louisiana in the middle of, is it safe to say, nowhere, Keith? Yay, yes. We're up in north Louisiana, kind of where Arkansas, Louisiana, and Mississippi all come together. It's beautiful country there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, what, how, what's the population of your town that you're in? The town we're in, there's twin cities here. The town we're in has about 12,000 people, and the connecting city's got about 50,000. So uh, if you kind of go about 30 miles radius, you can capture almost 100,000 people. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so do you, do you have a stoplight in your town? There are about four. Okay, and, cool. Uh, you, you get to know everybody that you see at the stoplights. So. <laughs> a little bit more than that. <laughs> Actually, I was kidding with Shannon, and I said we have everything we need. We have just enough to get by here. Like, okay. you know, in Baltimore, you you want all these certain things, different ethnic foods, uh, whereas you might have 10 Korean restaurants or something like that in Baltimore. You might have a little store here where you can get some Korean food. Uh, but we have just enough to get by here. <laughs> awesome. Um, and you, you have a, 
I'm sure you have a Walmart, but do you have a Target? That that's kind of like the defining characteristic of a city if they're like advanced, right? If if they have a uh, Target or not. We do. We have a Target, a Sam's, and a Walmart, and a Lowe's. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> and running water. <laughs> well, cool, cool. Um, you guys, uh, why don't you talk just briefly about kind of, you know, remember when we first met? We're in Life and Air together, by the way. Life and Air is a mastermind uh, coaching group that I've been a part of for, I think, since it started, three or four years now, and uh, about four years and it's an awesome group of guys and girls that we get together a couple times a year and mastermind and, and have coaching calls. And um, Keith and Shannon are one of the star performers uh, mm-hmm. of that uh, of that group. And you've got an awesome story. So could you guys talk a little bit about, you know, when I first met you guys in Chicago, uh, talk about, you know, where you were at that point. Oh, oh that was when you – I was in tears. That was painful when you when you reminded us of, of being in Chicago. First of all, I want to thank you, Joe and Alex. It's always a pleasure to be on with you guys and, and especially your listeners for taking the time out to listen to us. But, um, yes, when we met in Chicago, that, that was different people you met. That wasn't Keith <laughs> yeah. and Shannon. Those were like uh, running from uh, I don't know what. Um, but back then, yes, we had gone through the worst period of our lives – um, just total financial devastation, which if anybody's ever been through financial devastation, it leads to um, mental depletion and, and everything that goes with it. Um, but that was that was about May of 2009. Yeah. And so far, you know, rolling forward, we're light years different. And we, we sometimes we look back and go, yeah, that wasn't us. That was a different life. A it life. does seem like a lifetime ago. I think at that retreat, Keith had already had his bankruptcy about to be discharged, like he had his meeting of creditors, and I had just had my meeting of creditors. <laughs> and um, so we basically uh, we had a portfolio of 40 properties, um, a lot of subject to deals that went vacant. Uh, we had a lot of renovation properties where they lost half their value. Hmm overnight and basically we held on by a thread for like a year and a half just trying to um you know keep everything going and um that type of i mean we had to cover how much i don't even remember anymore a month just to break even yeah there was a, <clears throat> a point in time when we we had we were spending about fifty thousand dollars a month on private notes and oh mortgages and guaranteed payments and things and of course you can't sustain that it's impossible to sustain yeah, a fifty thousand dollar a month overhead even i mean and um so we so uh we did file bankruptcy and um at that moment, we were right in the midst of it when we first met you. And I think at that at that retreat, particular retreat, I think we were the first to go. We didn't even know anybody at that group. Yeah. And we just vomited everything on the table. And uh, uh, it was it, it does feel like we're talking about a different lifetime ago. Yeah. Well, that was before we started doing what we do today and, and what turned us around. Well, let's talk about that. Um, you started... Uh, well, talk about put it in the context, Keith and Shannon, of your what you've done in the past. Like you've done a lot of subject twos, and and um, you've done it all. You've done any kind of deal you've done, but talk about what you're doing now in the context of what you used to do. Yeah, well, I mean, when we first started out, uh, Shannon and I did not know each other when we first started in our independent real estate careers, and Shannon was doing a, a pretty business, uh, basically sandwich lease options and subject two transactions. And I was doing more like rehabs, wholesaling junkers, and lots of short sales. Um, and, I, and both of us had done a little bit of everything. So when we met, we were able to combine the what Ron LeGrand calls the pretty side of the business with the ugly side of the business. And so we covered the entire spectrum of real estate transactions when we met back in 2006. Um, and when you when you have that transaction mentality, transaction engineer mentality with no focus and no plan, hmm. getting back to the life and air, we absolutely had no vision. We just knew how to go out and get transactions done every which way. So when we met in 2006, we started combining transactions and just doing as many multiple types of transactions as we could. 
not realizing that we were building an atomic bomb and didn't know it. Boy, oh boy. We're operating on the scale of, you know, we had the knowledge of how to do all these deals, so let's get the leads. We were spending 5000 a month in marketing efforts, and so getting leads wasn't a problem, and we brought on partners to take on more volume because our mentality was more business, more money. Um, but what ended up happening was we accumulated more debt, and um, more obligations. Took on tons of risk. Yeah, and tons of risk. And when the market flopped, you know, maybe it all would have been okay if that bubble didn't ever pop, but it did. And um, and our whole portfolio just tanked. Wow. Yeah, I mean, we, we lost a fortune in a six month period. I mean, in six months, we went from what we thought was gonna be a, a, a financial independence to the opposite of financial independence in about a six-month period. Keith was really, really good at getting great deals. Um, like all the short sales we did, we'd do like 10 a month, and we would buy them ourselves and renovate them. But you throw in partners who who quit on you and who sue you in the midst of all that. Greedy contractors was, on top of that. Yeah, it um, was just too much. And greedy hard money lenders. Hard money lenders get, get greedy and... When you miss uh, a certain deadline by a few days, there were there were hard money lenders giving us five thousand dollar penalties for three day overlaps. I remember one time we missed closing because the title company couldn't. He was gone out of town. He couldn't close on the day, so we were three days past our uh, hard money loan due, and he charged us five thousand additional dollars because we were three days over. Yeah. It was that kind of greed that helped drag us down. Wow. Wow. Okay, so. You guys, uh, you, you obviously you're, you, you're in a tremendous amount of debt. And I remember those days, man. When you wanted to make more money, you just bought another house, <laughs> right? Um, and, and for me, it was, let's just get into more debt. And there were so many people at the time that were doing these cash-out refinances. You remember those? You buy a property. You back? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, we went out for about five seconds. Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry about that. We're back? We're back. Yep, back. All right. <laughs> well, okay, Keith and Shannon, talk a little bit about um, what you started focusing on. Uh, you did all these other types of deals. You're in a world of hurt, a lot of debt. Um, why did you start going back to focus on, on just wholesaling? Well, I, th I think what happened to us is we realized we were really good at real estate. I mean, we, we had been doing real estate for several years, and we did not want to go back to a J-O-B. You mentioned uh, in the introduction about how corporate used to drag us around the world. And um, for 15 years, I couldn't choose the country I wanted to live in. I was just placed there. So that was my option was either figure out this real estate market of how to do it with no risk and no money, literally. You know, no, no other people's money, no credit, none of these um, risky types of no money down deals, but truly no risk. Yeah. It was either figure that out or go back to work and sacrifice my soul and my life to corporate uh, America. And so there was no way we were going to go get a job again. And what we did is we took the things we liked from those other strategies. We liked sandwich lease options and subject twos. We liked wholesaling, junkers, and, but each one of those strategies has some inherent risk. And we said, is, there, is it possible to combine sandwich lease options slash subject to transactions with wholesaling and eliminate all of the risk? And that's when we really sat down and got on a drawing board. Literally for a year, we had this big, huge wall of, of, of post, giant post-it notes. We knew how to do lease options and rent to own for our own homes that we had rehabbed, but we couldn't crack the code of how to do it for other people on homes we didn't own. And so for a year, we... Yeah, it was in the works. And then, of course, when we hit the big splat where we had no access to any private lenders or any lines of credit or money, then we actually we absolutely had to figure it out because... Yeah, under pressure, our brain started working. <laughs> yeah. And so that's really how our, our link options, which is wholesaling lease options, uh, evolved. And from the day that we cracked that code, it was like, literally, it was like being reborn again. It, the life became simple. Um, 
We don't deal with the stress sellers. We didn't need to incur any risk. And so once we started implementing the wholesaling lease options link option strategy, life just became easy. And I mean, I don't ever want to say that you don't have to work as an entrepreneur. No, I can't even say the word entrepreneur. Uh Um, (laughs) you, You have to work. A lot of people think, well, you don't have to work when you become an entrepreneur, but it's not really work when you look at it. Right. And you know what? I, I need to, as in the interest of full disclosure, um, I have a course called Wholesaling Lease Options, and Keith and Shannon have a course called Link Options. And uh, it's, they have a fantastic course. But we're not here to sell anything um, because what, what Keith and Shannon are doing, I think, will inspire you. Uh, you may not even be interested in, in lease options or wholesaling or whatever we're talking about here. But to hear their story of where they came from and where they are now, I think is just so awesome to hear. So we don't have anything to sell. Um, you know, we're, we're just here to, to, to share the love, you know, and, and I want to expose our listeners to Keith and Shannon's, uh, what the, to Keith and Shannon. And if you are really interested in learning about more about what they do, go to their website, linkoptions. Is it linkoptions.net, Keith? It is, .net. Linkoptions.net. It's an incredible course. It's really good. I've been through it. It's phenomenal. But uh, I also wanted to say, because you brought up something, Keith, about um, it, it, an entrepreneur, it does involve work. Um, one of uh, one of my uh, mentors, uh, he has a saying that uh, there's two laws um, to business. Number one, and I'm going to use the cleaned up version, <laughs> it, it's <laughs> stop farting around, okay? <laughs> And stop being Cleaner. a and and stop being a sissy. Um, that's, yes. that's the two rules of business. If you want to take this business seriously, stop farting around, and stop being a sissy and complaining, and just get out there and stop and start doing stuff. Stop being afraid. And Very I think, sad, Joe. Oh, I love. I mean, it. I, when you've been down the entrepreneurial path, mm-hmm. those words you just said have so much meaning. <laughs> Maybe we should call the podcast that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I, I wish some. This sounds bad. I w- I do. I mean, I w- sometimes I wish I I I could cuss <laughs> because <laughs> it I, would feel bad. I you know because there there's sometimes you need to have those kinds of words to really emphasize it. I mean, because <laughs> I sometimes want to take people who are struggling in this business, and I want to you know hit them across the head and say you know stop effing around. <laughs> and stop being a sissy right. and, and, and get up and, and start working, you know, stop being afraid of making mistakes. Uh, get out there and send that marketing out. Get out there and make those phone calls, make those offers. Stop being afraid. Stop being, you know, and, and, and uh, so <laughs> take well, I, that for what it's worth. Yeah, well, I'd like to chime in here because um, looking back at our life, you know, it's all in different degrees of, of you know, applying to different people, but um, you get to a point where you hit bottom or you, I think the life in their group that when you establish the why, when you really have a clear vision of why you want to have a successful business, mm-hmm. you know, you don't necessarily have to hit rock bottom to get desperate like Keith and I did, you no, know, um, don't to, allow that to, 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 to figure it out. <laughs> But um, having having a why, because I'm just thinking something's got to motivate you. I mean, we live in such a culture that uh, hand ups have turned into handouts. Yeah. And no, it's very hard. You have to pull out of your own conscience the desire to take responsibility for your own life. And sure, there could be plenty of people you can blame why this didn't go the way it didn't go, why you don't make this much, whatever, but you got to let all that go and take responsibility for your own life and, mm-hmm. and, and just go for it with a tenacity and a focus. But that getting to that point, I, I see a lot of people struggle to getting that point. And unfortunately, sometimes things have to get bad enough financially and you're desperate on that end. I'm more of a, I like to be motivated by positive things. I don't like negative, you know, uh, consequences and, and that being my motivation. So I too struggle with the same thing, Joe, in terms of wanting to inspire people to, to take that bold, courageous step to step out of the mentality of wait, you know, things should happen a certain way. I'm, you're going to hold, hand hold my hand. I, I just, 
Well, it's, it's refreshing it's, whenever we see someone take responsibility for their own life and go for it. Yeah. And we always see them be And successful. you have to be adaptable. I think sometimes we see people face their first little itty-bitty challenge. Like if you, 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 can, you can't tell somebody every single possible variable that can happen in life. You can give them an excellent um, uh, path to take and, and instructions to take, but there's life variables that happen. So when you face those first little challenges, you have to learn to embrace them. And like you said, Joe, you're going to make a few mistakes, but you do learn from those, and that's how you become an expert, is learning how to overcome the mistakes that you've encountered in the past. And, and I think you'll continually do it. Even when you reach a point of success, it's very easy to get caught up in the business and the, and you working the business rather than working on the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keith and I constantly have to you know reassess. Hey, you know how do we need to tweak things? Um, uh, and um, it, it's it's a constant endeavor. But that I know that first first step to really do it is it's it's hard. Well said. Well said. Hey, Alex, are you still there? I'm just listening and learning. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I was uh, identifying with, um, you know, the subject twos and the private lenders and uh, getting in, you know, a little bit of a hairy uh, spot with that. And uh, I, I, I went through a little bit myself. So, and, and if you guys are huge ac- action takers, I wonder, you, you probably guys had a ton of properties you had to go through on that, didn't you? We did. I mean, we, like we said, we actually had at one point about 15 of our subject two deals go vacant at one time. Oh, wow. And I mean, that's insurmountable. And that's why we refuse to to teach. Maybe that's a great strategy for the right person, the right circumstance. But what we want to drive home to people is you don't have to guarantee payments to make money in lease options. You don't have to be in the transaction and ride it all the way through. You can be just in in the very beginning of the transaction with taking no risk and actually make more money this way than if you took all those extra risks because things don't turn out always like you think they will when you assume a lot of risk. Yeah. That is so well said. So well said. And, And that's why I'm not a fan of subject twos anymore. There is a place and point when it does work. But the fact that you're taking on all that risk when you don't need to, right? Uh, it's just well, it it works if you've got equity. Um, it doesn't work if you're trying to convince yourself to buying in it at eighty five percent, which we were doing at the time. But you're absolutely <laughs> yeah. right. Look at all the houses we can buy. <laughs> but still, you know, even if there is a lot of equity, you got to make sure that it has a lot of equity that, that the property cash flows really well and you got some money in the bank in case things do go wrong but still uh keith, i use it for short-term finance right that's, so i'll i'll use it and rehab it and sell it and you know right. maybe it's out in six months type thing that's good yeah. not we long term for our own property because we know we're going to make the payments <laughs> so yeah we were just talking about that when would we ever do a subject to deal again but, but yeah that's that's a good scenario alex I, yeah. I like that a lot. What you're talking about is you, you take over a mortgage for three to six months, let the owner carry the financing. Um, you make payments, but you're rehabbing the home at the same time, and there's plenty of room in there. You're going to rehab it and then um, uh, sell it three to six Absolutely. months. Yeah, it's just, a, it's just a quick way to leverage some existing financing so that you can um, do more projects, basically. Well, the seller's protected, too, because if they have to take the house back, it's going to be in better shape than it was before. Exactly. Absolutely. All right, so Keith and Shannon, talk a little bit about um, how you flip lease options and, and uh, what's involved with that. Well, to keep it on a simple um, explanation, we're simply matching a seller that wants full price for their home. Okay, They're not upside down. They are not behind in payments. So just they don't have to have a lot of equity but they can't be upside down. So we're matching a seller that wants full price for their home to a future buyer called a tenant buyer on a lease with an option to buy transaction. So matching a seller to a buyer via lease with an option to buy transaction, the buyer, the tenant buyer is putting a down payment down that counts hundred percent towards the price of that home. That down payment is our fee 
for the assignment of the of the transaction. So when they put that down payment down, when they move into the home on that lease with an option buy transaction, we get paid up front. There's no formal closing at a title company at that point in time. So you're not waiting on a closing and you're not waiting on a cash buyer. And most of our buyers have challenged credit and we do put that we do pull credit and we do put them in credit repair. And just to kind of elaborate a little bit there on a buyer, I always tell a seller the type of client that we're looking to put into your home must meet four of the following five criteria. They must have a down payment. They must have the proper income to get the future mortgage on that home. They must have the proper debt to income ratio or fixable debt to income ratio during the lease period. And they must have a continuous job history for at least two years in the same line of work. Those are the same things a lender looks for. The only component missing from our buyers is their credit score. Right. So scores can be raised as long as the other four criteria are met. So those are the kinds of buyers we're matching on these lease options in these sellers' home. And all we have to do then is raise their credit scores over the next 9 to 24 months so they can go to the bank, get a loan, and buy that seller's house. Good, good. And you have a lender or a mortgage broker or somebody that helps them with fixing their credit during that time, right? We do. We have all those resources, and we also have a really good credit repair company um, that, that has worked miracles in raising people's scores over a short period. That company you use, are they local to the Baltimore area? They are not. And it's funny, we actually for 10 years have researched credit repair companies. We've used many local, Maryland, and national credit repair companies. This particular company called Clean Slate is out of Texas. Uh, but they are a national credit repair company, and probably we use them for our own credit repair. We trusted them so much. Yeah. Um, in fact, we just enrolled last year because it took us that many years to find the one that we said, these yeah. guys know what they're doing. Yeah, we've been working with them for about a year, and they're amazing. And, we, oh, gosh, at least a dozen other companies. The problem with local companies is because we, we wanted to have it local. People like to see a face, go into an office especially when it comes to, you know, long-term project like credit repair. But those companies would go out of business, be here today, gone tomorrow, and the money they spent was lost. Right. And, um, and it was so discouraging. And, um, and then we uh, tested out some other national companies, and the results just weren't there. It was like 50-50 at best that they'd get their scores up. And uh, so we, we feel very fortunate and have built a great relationship with the owner of this company. They've been around for years, have a great Better Business Bureau rating, and have support like I've never seen before. So Just one tip to people. They actually cap their fee, and they're one of the most reasonable fees in the industry. But one tip to people, if a company doesn't cap their fee and it's just a monthly credit repair service, What's the incentive for them to actually fix the credit the way they're supposed to? Just throwing that out as a hint for people to, to pick up on. That's good. That's really yeah. good. Would you mind sharing their website? Yes. In fact, um, you, anybody can sign up uh, right. as a free affiliate. That's, You'll like this, Joe. They have an affiliate program. Well, how about this? How about this? Why don't you give us the link, and we'll put it in the show notes. Um, so I'm sure you probably have an affiliate link and you get a little referral fee if you refer people to them, right? Yeah. And if you join the company, you, you have to sign up under somebody. So we'll give it to you, Joe, and then you'll have your own affiliate link. Okay, cool. So I'll put it in the show notes. Um, but, uh, that's awesome because, and I, and I think that's cool that if you found a company that you really believe in, that you're actually using yourself, yes, you should, you should own. get a referral fee or commission if you're going to refer them to other people and, and, uh, awesome. Okay. Hey guys, how many um, how's are you seeing homes being cashed out um, and qualified for? Yes. Yep. And um, now for there's been a little patch, um, maybe mid last year to early last year. The biggest challenge is appraisals coming in. Um, the challenge isn't getting people's scores up. Right. The challenge Absolutely. is appraisal coming in, and now we're starting to see some uptick. Uh, we try to stay connected with, you know, t uh, closing attorneys and real estate agents to get a feel for the market. But it sounds like there's an uptick. Title companies are starting to hire processors, which to me means loans are closing. So that means appraisals are coming in where they need to be. Um, but we've definitely been successful in getting people lendable. So 
that they're ready to get their mortgage. And like Shannon said, the appraisal comes in a little, little low during the lease term. I mean, call it nine to 15 months out. Um, there was, like she said last year, some of the downtick um, yeah. affected the appraisal. Um, but yeah, we had two deals that they, the appraisal came in like 10 grand less. And I think even one of it was 20 grand. But I, I want to make something. That's, that's realistic. You know, some yeah. of these homeowners want top dollar and that's the premise that we, you, you, when you're doing that business, you go in on, I'm going to get you top dollar for your house. Name your price. You want that price? I'm going to get you that price. <laughs> well, I do want to make clear to the listeners that we do pull MLS comps before we ever market a home and we do set the price based on supported MLS comps right. and we print those out and put that's them in the pile. Yeah. So we never um, market a home for more than the current MLS can support. And the majority of our sellers are pretty in touch with the market. They're, occasionally we'll get one that we have to go back to them and say, look, comps are not supporting what you're asking. Um, and here is the maximum we feel we can, uh, we can market it. Um, sometimes there's, there's comps to support higher. This probably happens more often where we're like, hey, we ran the comps. There's sales happening here. We might be able to get you more. Um, but we do have that talk with all of our sellers. No one has a crystal ball. We're not going to know what's going to happen 12 to 18 months from now in the market. We can just do the best we can with today's value. So to kind of sum it up, we do like houses going into it with a little equity. So we do like the seller to owe less by at least 20000 than the current comp support. So there is no issue at appraisal yeah. time. When they're really tight, if the home's worth two hundred and they owe one ninety five, we can still do this. But if the market turns down at all, you risk that appraisal issue. Right. And at both those sellers where the appraisal came in low, they ended up reducing the price. They weren't happy about it, but there's really nothing you could do. Because about they it. had equity to do it. Right. They had the equity to do it. And um, and I don't know if your listeners know this on the other side, because I think a lot of times with the stigma with credit repair and bad credit, people think, oh, people never fix their scores. You only need, there are lenders out there that will give loans on 580 um, credit score. And uh, the best ones, we get our clients up to a 640 because you're getting the best rates there. I mean, we had one tenant buyer who hit the jackpot. Her score actually was only 620. But her broker actually during that point in time was running a special. They were giving 640 rates to people with 620 scores. She locked in a 3.5% loan. Wow. <laughs> this, was probably, this was probably maybe pushing a year ago. Out of 580? She had, she had a 620. Oh, 620. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Tenant buyer, um, he did, I, I can't remember what it was. His score tanked right at the last minute and he had a 580 and the lender closed the deal. Now, the broker, he did say it was a painful loan to close. <laughs> But um, at 580, but he got a loan at 580. So, but make, just to make clear to everybody, we nine times out of ten we try to get them to a 640, right. and that's what. In fact, yeah. the credit repair company has a 640 guarantee or the client's money back. Right. Here's another important point that I need to make when it comes to setting the option price on a home. Uh, the way we set it up is the uh, if the house doesn't appraise or if the tenant buyer cannot get a mortgage at the end of their lease option period. Um, they can renew the lease option for another for another year without penalty. Um, they may need to put down an additional deposit of one or two thousand dollars to extend it, or they may not. But um, if they can't, if the house won't appraise, if they can't get financing, but they've been paying their rent on time every month, they can extend it for another year. And the sellers don't seem to have a problem with that because it's a tenant who's taking care of the home. They're taking care of the maintenance and repairs, so they're taking better care of a home than a tenant would. And uh, the sellers understand, you know, that the it's been it's hard to get a loan right now, and then houses are hard to get appraised. Um, so they're okay. I've never had a seller complain when the option expired and the tenant buyer couldn't buy it if they're good tenants, because they'll just rent it to them for another year or two. Exactly, and we do vet that out up front, um, Joe. And if a seller says no, if they can't purchase after eighteen months, then we really don't want to work with right. them anyway. Right. Yeah. So we vet that out up front and ensure the seller is flexible on those standpoints. All right. Good. Good. So let's talk now about, um, you know, you were you're rocking and rolling, um, kind of digging yourself out of this hole and just doing really, really well. You've simplified your life in Baltimore. 
how many deals a month were you doing, if you don't mind sharing? Well, and, and, and that's a great question because in 2010, when we were digging ourselves out of our hole, we were doing eight to 10 a month in 2010. We became pretty much, not wholly, but pretty much debt-free towards the end of 2010. And so our, our living expenses significantly decreased. So we now try to do about four a month, and that pays are the first deal in a month pays off pays our entire living expenses, company and personal overhead. Um, so one deal covers us wholly, and then the other two to three that we do in the month is uh, investment money now. Nice. We had mentioned before that back in in the crazy days, we spent five thousand a month in marketing, and we spend less than a hundred a month if we're not doing a direct mail campaign. And if we have to do a direct mail campaign, we're spending no more than two fifty a month. So we've been able to really streamline the business, um, take advantage of a lot of free marketing efforts. Um, but but yeah, I would say overall for the whole year, three to four a month. Yeah, I mean we're just to give you an idea. So far this month, and we're only on uh, the fifth of February, we have four confirmed closings this month already. Um, and I would say the average of these four is well, six, six, five, and eight. So probably about 7,000 is the op is the average option fee we're getting on these four that will be closing in the next week or two. Now, when you say closing, um, explain <laughs> that a little bit. Cause there's no, there's no like closing, like with a lender and a loan and all That's that stuff. How do you have that set? And we probably should come up with a coin term that we can throw out for that. Right. Um, when we say the word closing, we mean that the, we've screened the tenant buyer, pulled their credit, done a criminal background search, verified that they have the wherewithal to get a loan in the next 9 to 18 months, presented the file to the seller. The seller says, yes, I will take that as a rent-to-own person in my home, those people. And contracts are signed are assigned to the from us to the tenant buyer and then the owner and the tenant buyer sign a rental agreement so basically what it means is they they're moving into the home getting the keys to the house and beginning the rental phase of their lease option i think uh, it's contracts are signed and money's in escrow things are committed they might not have moved in yet but contracts are signed and they put money in escrow yeah their down payment is sitting in our bank escrow account so once they move into the home, the day they get the keys, that twenty, this is twenty five thousand fifty bucks. This will be released to us from these four deals. Right. And the way I do it is, I have a title company that's actually owned by an attorney who handles all of that paperwork for me, collecting the money, dispersing the funds, getting the paperwork signed. So it's helpful to have an attorney title company do that for you, or an escrow account with your own bank or whatever. Um, for various reasons. I wanted to add, too, if you wanted to, um, uh, I'll link into the show notes, Keith and Shannon's website. I'm also going to put a link on there to a video I did on a like a crash course to wholesaling lease options. I have We have a video in the, uh, in the podcast bonus fast cash survival kit on how to flip lease options, how I do it. But I also have another YouTube video that I have um, where I, I went through for like an hour and a half webinar, just a free course webinar on how like a crash course on wholesaling lease options, I called it. And Keith and Shannon, maybe if you have some videos or something, um, you can send them to me and I'll put them in the show notes as well. But, sure, uh, yes. So cool. Um, now, you, you're, I love that because what you've done is you've, you went from like having to make $50,000 a month just to break even, which is blows me away. It's crazy. I was, it never got that bad for me, but it was that was that was maybe twenty thousand a month that I had to make to break even. It was it was just crazy. So then you've simplified your life. You've gotten out of debt, and uh, and 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 now you you're still living a great lifestyle, but you don't have to make more than five seven thousand dollars a month to meet all of your needs, and then everything you make above that, you reinvest into your business or, or you spend on vacations, and you guys travel a lot, don't you? Absolutely. We do take three to four months off a year. Yeah. Now, this last year, 2011, 12, because <laughs> it's 2013, in 2012, we moved 1,200 miles across the country. 
uh, to our new home in Louisiana. So that took away some of our, our vacation time. But usually we take three to four months off a year. And you're right, about 6000 7000 a month, and we're covered in full. And the rest of the money is for whatever we want to do with. You could do that in your sleep almost. Now, okay, now talk about, Keith and Shannon, when you were – when you were thinking about moving to Louisiana, because we talked about this a lot, um, you know, you were a little apprehensive. You didn't know, can we still run our business in Baltimore? Do we need to start a new business in Louisiana? Talk about that process, what happened when you moved and what you're doing now. Well, it's, it's amazing how things turn out, Joe. And yes, back when we knew we wanted to move from Maryland to be close to family back in Louisiana, our biggest thing was, is, well, we need to be in the market where we're, where we're serving. We need to be able to go to these houses. We need to go take pictures. We need to go do our own videos. Um, and so we were afraid that if we moved 1,200 miles away, that we were going to have to have this army of people on the ground back in Maryland taking care of all the things we used to take care of personally. And one day, Shannon and I just said, Let's look at our life and our vision. Our vision says we, we want to live where we want to live. Let's go do it. And always when you have a vision, things seem to work out. Yeah. So the, the key thing is we set a deadline. We did prepare as much as we thought we could. You know, we started, you know, talking to people. Maybe we need some contacts, you know, back in Baltimore. And we didn't really do accomplish all the to-do list before we moved, but we were committed to that move. Uh, date we definitely moved and so afterwards like we thought we were going to have to ramp up Louisiana real fast and start yeah we out. thought we were going to lose Maryland yeah, and have- or at least you know there's just the technicalities of running a business from far away that it would hurt the business and we discovered that it really didn't hinder it whatsoever um, right. in fact we work more efficiently believe it or not yeah. we're more effective and efficient 1200 miles away because we can't go waste our time spending gas driving all over the city looking at houses. We can't do it anymore. And that was at least 50% of our time in Maryland. Now that we can't do it, we haven't skipped a beat. In fact, we are doing more transactions 1,200 miles away than when we lived there because we're not wasting so much time anymore. So you don't have to go see the house. You don't have to meet the seller. You don't have to show the house. And meet the buyers. <laughs> talk about talk about yeah. how you're doing that. I mean, if somebody feels really leery about it, we'll get on Skype and do or Google Hangouts and and see them face to face. But it's even been a while since we've done that. Yeah, I mean, Joe, it's amazing when you when you sound confident on the phone and you're offering a solution to a seller that they can't really refuse because we're not an exclusive listing. We don't charge them a dime for our service, and we're going to get them top price for their home. So the conversion on the phone from a seller is they really don't even ask, can you come meet me at the house? And if they do, you just say, look, we're really busy. We're doing a lot of traveling right now. I don't want you to miss out on any marketing time. If you can get us pictures, we can have that property marketed in the next 12 to 24 hours, and we'll pro- and we do. We get applications in within 12 to 24 hours of posting a property. So we just tell the seller, "Look, we'll probably have applications in the next day or two if you can go ahead and get us pictures. Don't wait for us to have to come meet you in person." And they don't skip yeah. a beat. They're like, "That makes a lot of sense. You guys sound like you know what you're doing." Huh. Here's here's pictures. I mean, they email them or put them in Dropbox. Um, which is a free cloud service. Oh, yeah, I love Dropbox. And then we've got the property up, and then you don't have to meet the buyers because once you get their application, you just put a lockbox on the house, or if the seller still lives there, coordinate with the seller to show the house to the tenant buyer. And you're having the seller put the lockbox on there. And we're having the seller put the lockbox on there. That's part of our initial agreement with the sellers. They'll provide pictures and a lockbox and allow us to let tenant buyers into the house after we receive an application. That's excellent. Nobody ever questions. I have not, and we've been here now for about eight months, not one seller or buyer has asked us on the phone, do you live here or where do you live? They just (laughs) assume that we live right there in their backyard. And and so anyway, I, I hope this inspires people because 
yes, we do know the Maryland market, and that's how we're able to do it so confidently away. Um, but it just goes to show you don't ever have to go to the homes or meet the buyer or meet the seller. You know, that's so good because that's what I've been doing for coming on five years now. I know. Even in St. Louis, in my own backyard, I don't go see the home or meet the seller. But, you know, you bring up a good point, and I want to get to that. But first I wanted to say, uh, um, yeah, if you don't, if you if you want to, you could use a realtor to market and sell your homes for you. You're going to have to pay the realtor something. But, you know, again, you don't have to. The other thing I was going to say, oh, doggone, I knew I'd forget it. <laughs> but, okay, I'll, it'll come back to me later. Um, so you're doing these deals virtually, and uh, you, you're probably using some kind of electric electronic signature system um, to get things signed. Yeah, that's what we're going to actually ask you about. Uh, that's one of my projects coming in for the documents and the contracts. We've just been scanning and emailing and faxing, and I know there's electronic signatures. I'm just a cheapskate. I don't want to pay anything for DocuSign. They seem expensive to me, and I think there's some free versions out there that yeah. I have. There, I'm, I'm, I used to be a big DocuSign fan, and I still use it, but there's another service that's a lot cheaper that I know a lot of people enjoy and like. It's called EchoSign, E-C-H-O-S-I-G-N, EchoSign.com. And there's another service that will actually let you do online notary, um, and it's called SignNow.com, I believe, S-I-G-N-N-O-W.com. If you had to notarize something... You can actually do it virtually online with a virtual wow. notary in Virginia. And wow. uh, Virginia has a law that will allow or accept online notaries. And if one state accepts them and you get something notarized, then every other state in the union has to accept that notary as valid. So you, you know, can get it's it. It's kind of weird. It's like an online webcam thing. So you like show them your ID on the webcam. Yeah. And then, and then they're like, oh, okay, that's you. And they're good. It's weird. Charge. It's very cheap. It's, it's like fifteen bucks. Yeah. How cool is that? That is cool. Yeah, Maryland. They wouldn't charge much for a notary. Uh, of course, you can always get them free at the bank. But here in Louisiana, they won't do deeds. Banks won't do deeds for you for free. And man, notaries charge twenty, twenty-five bucks here. <laughs> well, check out signnow.com and their notary service. And they, the cool thing I like about. Um, a lot of these services that we're talking about is they could they could give you a embedded form on your website so you could actually have your contract embedded into your website and the people can sign it right there on your website. So instead of emailing them an attachment, you just send them a link to go to your website where they can sign the documents on your website. Um, or you know you give them a link to sign it on EchoSign's website or whatever it is. We're but, checking that out today. Thank yeah. you. So. All right, so you're still you're you're flipping deals now, just as many, in living in Louisiana. But you're spend, It sounds like you're spending about half the time that you were before doing the same amount of deals. That's right. In fact, you bring up a funny story at our Lifeinary event because when our challenge came up, we were presenting uh, to the Titanium Group. Okay, now we wake up each day <laughs> and really don't have that much to do anymore, and. What it summed up to be is what Chuck Bowman said is he says, let me get this right. You guys have nothing to do all day, and when you're, ha when you're halfway done with the day. No, because we were talking about our challenge being should we get an assistant, you know, take care of all the minutiae part of the detail. Because we don't have any assistants or yeah, DAs. Yeah, and we had all these questions about that. And, and Chuck says, wait, 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 let me get this straight. You get up every day, have nothing to do. And at the end of the day, you've only gotten half of it done, and you're hiring an assistant to get that done, <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> right, right. I know you know Chuck and his way of, of saying things. He said it much better, but... Um, so it truly is amazing, Joe. Now that we do this virtually, like, of course, you have always done, <laughs> um, we really don't have that much to do besides answer a few emails and a phone calls during the day. So honestly, if we were e super efficient with our nothing-to-do days... We could knock out what we have to do in an hour a day probably. But we don't because we piddle around, but we could. Well, that's awesome. I remember what I was going to say. Um, we were talking about uh, doing deals virtually, but you have a. I like your philosophy of you need to be familiar with the market. I mean, you need to do it in your own backyard first um, yeah. before you try to do it. Can you talk a little bit about that? 
Well, our, our strong belief in that is really so you sound more confident on the phone. And here's just kind of a, an example. Um, when a seller calls us about a Baltimore property, we know the neighborhood, we know the zip code, we know the styles of houses in that area. We're intimately familiar with that area and the prices, and we have MLS access for Maryland. Um, so we sound very intelligent about the housing market when a seller calls. Then when a buyer calls about a house and says, hey, I see you have rent-to-own homes. I'm looking in this neighborhood or this, or this type of area. You're able to say, oh, okay, you would like this zip code because that sounds like what you're looking for. We sound very intelligent to the buyers and sellers, and their confidence level goes up with us. If we, in our opinion, if we were trying to do this in a market we didn't know anything about, not only would we not know the values in the neighborhoods and the correlation of towns to towns and streets, we would sound like we are a virtual company that doesn't know anything about the local market they're calling from. And your credibility can go down because your confidence can go down yeah. in those situations. That's, that's the main yeah. thing, I Joe. Think the key word is confidence. I think a part of it is people are more attuned to trying to sniff out scams. And if they get a, any kind of whiff of, oh, this sounds kind of weird or I'm, something I'm not comfortable with. And again, that goes back to how you're communicating in your confidence level. Um so it's I not to, it's not to out. say that you couldn't just be up front with somebody and say, hey, I don't know anything about San Francisco, but we're good at marketing houses. And if you give us your listing in San Francisco to market, we'll find a buyer. I, I guess you could approach that that way. We've never tried it. We like the confidence of having of knowing the market. Yeah. So it's really just what you're comfortable doing. Yeah, because there's some people that are incredible sales folks. It's all about yeah. confidence. There could be somebody doing a total scam, but they sound like so legitimate, and that's how they get away with it. Being honest is the thing. So if you are going to do this virtually in cities you don't know anything about, just be honest on what your strengths are. Don't say you live there. Just say, hey, I don't know this particular market that you're in. I know how to market your home. I know how to find buyers. That's what I'm good at. I will find you and qualify you a buyer for your home. I think it'll work fine. We just don't approach it that way. Right, right. Well, you got to go here in just a minute. I wanted to just let everybody know you guys have done a really good job with social media marketing. Um, so look, you got to look up Keith and Shannon's YouTube channel um, and see how they do. I guess that's a good place to start. But, I mean, you're just everywhere in social media. Um, how can they find you on YouTube, Keith and Shannon? Uh, you can go to youtube.com forward slash. Is that a new site? I don't think I've heard of that site. <laughs> <laughs> forward slash Baltimore houses all run together, Baltimore houses. And uh, you'll find our YouTube channel and see how we, and why you mentioned YouTube is Google owns YouTube. Once you get onto YouTube, it helps you just become prominent on social media and Google rankings. Yeah, you're dominant. I mean, you dominate uh, Baltimore. Um, oh my goodness! It's it's. We don't pay for any um, SEO. Op, you know, it's free. First, first page ranking. That's all. Whatever Keith's doing, he does all that. So yeah. just just look at what Keith and Shannon are doing uh, on Facebook, on YouTube, primarily YouTube, I think, and uh, just copy what they're doing. It's it's amazing. Do you get a lot of leads from that, seller wise, or more we buyers? We get a lot of Google organic searches from sellers and buyers, and I would say it's probably just guessing 50-50 because sellers just email us and say, hey, I found you on the Internet, and buyers do the same. I found you on the Internet. And to stress the fact, it's because of free social media. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you another question. Um, what are some of your favorite ways right now for marketing for motivated sellers? Marketing for motivated sellers – um, I mean, first of all, a good free way to get leads is to go to other investors who are rehabbers, traditional wholesalers, like junker wholesalers, and short sell people. They are doing a ton of marketing. We know mm -hmm. because we used to do it. They're spending tons of dollars, and they're looking for that needle in the haystack, the one they can offer 50 cents on the dollar for. They're taking out of 100 leads, they're taking 95 of those and throwing them in the trash because the seller called and said, I want full price for my house. That's one way. Yep. But other <laughs> who are paying for the marketing subsidize you. 
And I, all I tell somebody like that is give me your, your trash can full of leads. And when I get paid on some of these, you'll just have to trust me. I'll pay you. Um, yeah, we don't pay per Yeah, we don't lead. pay for these trash can leads because they were in the trash um, until we get paid. That's one of the best ways. The other good way uh, was we let realtors know if you have long properties days on the market uh, and your sellers are getting anxious and they're open to something besides just plain renting, give us a call. We will help you move that property and, and make sure you get paid as a realtor. Um, then Craigslist. We love Craigslist, the for rent and the for sale sections of Craigslist. Now, if you're in a town of 11,000 people like us, we have one Craigslist posting a week, <laughs> one. Um, but in Baltimore, there's about three to 500 postings a day. Um, just look in the for rent and the for sale by owner sections of Craigslist and call those people. Hire a VA like Joe. T. Joe, you're phenomenal at teaching people how to use VAs. Uh, that's a perfect opportunity to, to for dollar an hour, two dollars an hour to have people call these Craigslist. Um, we love the yellow letter to absentee owners, and we stick with the we buy houses type of ad when we write these yellow letters because we've tried the more uh, we do rent to own lease with an option and people. I think it boggles their mind. You just want your phone to ring. You can convert them on the phone. Uh, yellow letter to absentee owner. Which we haven't done in a long time. And social media. Just get let people know what you're doing out there on social media. That's how we just named all the ways we get our leads. You know, There's, that's that's phenomenal. And and I'm a big fan of Fiverr. F I V E R R dot com, Fiverr. And you can hire people for five bucks to do things for you. And if you're looking at a market, you're a new market, um, you could spend a uh, hundred bucks, create twenty different videos about rent-to-own Austin or rent-to-own Des Moines and just keyword it, you know, and uh, you'd be you'd be dominating Google within a matter of months with just creating – and you don't even have to have to create them yourself. You get somebody else, pay them five bucks to create a little one-minute video for you. Um, so Fiverr is a, is a VA or a, a well, social media? What is it? Fiverr is a place where you can hire people. There's like thousands and thousands of people that will do things for you for five bucks. And uh, they can, you know – Write happy birthday on their butt and, and send you a picture for five bucks, okay? Or have you tried uh, that? Oh, <laughs> I've not I've not tried that, but they'll write happy birthday on your butt. <laughs> happy birthday, Jim. You know, it's like a joke. You you have you can pay somebody to write something on their body and they'll send you a picture of it for five bucks. Or you can have them I've paid them five bucks to do a little video introduction, a little ten minute video. In fact, if you go to any of our videos on the podcast um, that was done from somebody on Fiverr. Um, you know, the little video introduction for, for 10 seconds. Um, but you can create people, you can create little videos on Fiverr for five bucks um, for different whatever things you're trying to do and just upload those to uh, YouTube. And um, that's a great little But I love, you gave yeah. four great free ways to get marketing. Um, number one, find other wholesalers. Number two, find realtors and say, hey, you know, if you got a property and the, the seller um, has told you they just want to rent their house, before you lose that listing, call me. Let me know. We can do a lease purchase on that. Number three is Craigslist. What I teach in the videos that I have is uh, on Craigslist, you can send three things to these folks. You can send a text message for free on Google Voice. You can send them a slide dial. Slide dial is a way that you can go right to their voicemail, leave them a message. You don't, you're not doing any cold calling. And you can send them an email. Um, and then the fourth thing you mentioned that's that's free is social media. You can start creating YouTube videos once a week, you know, create a new little video talking about rent to own, and then load that up with keywords. If you live in uh, uh, Dayton, Ohio, you could have uh, on every video Dayton, Ohio rent to own homes or lease purchase homes or whatever, and create these little videos of you talking about rent to own or create some slides that you can create a video out of. Find somebody on Fiverr to do that. Um, that's awesome. I think that's great. And you're, that's why you get most of your business from right now, isn't it? Referrals and uh, other wholesalers. Joe, are you, are you, uh, by your, you're on your computer right now? Yeah. Uh-huh. Type in uh, We Buy Houses Virginia Beach. Tell me what you see. We Buy Houses Virginia Beach. Yeah. Aha. <laughs> I see a, a mug shot of Alex <laughs> on the video. <laughs> two video. I see two videos of you. Yeah. 
How about that? And you've had that up. Now, one of them you put up in 2010, and the other one looks here looks like uh, February 2012. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you do that for the different uh, cities in my area. Um, like, do we buy houses uh, Norfolk and see what that comes back? Norfolk. I can never spell that. N O R F O L K. Yeah. Oh, there's another picture of you. With, <laughs> <laughs> looks like somebody, a competitor of yours, though, is right below you. Yeah. Hmm. We don't. Yeah. Let's not talk about that. Oh. How about Jeff, we got to go in there and put our mug shots and, and knock Alex down. <laughs> yeah. How hey. about. But anyway, hey, I gotta go. I'm sorry. Um, I gotta pick up my my daughter from preschool, and I'm gonna be late. So. Um, oh, you gotta go. I gotta go. But Keith and Shannon, <laughs> thank you so much. If people want to find out more about you, uh, just Google Keith and Shannon French. Yeah. But uh, you can also go to buybaltimoreproperties.com. Is that right? Yes. And you can also go to linkoptions.net. Um, we're, we don't get any kind of uh, referral fees or commissions by referring the, you guys to Keith and Shannon. They have a fantastic site. People ask me all the time, should I buy your course or Keith and Shannon's? Yeah, we get that. I I just say, I I don't care. It doesn't matter. Buy both of them. That's what uh, we tell them because there's stuff in both that combine it. But don't buy it if you're not going to take any action and do anything with it, for God's sake. You know, just (laughs) save your money and and buy a bunch of Fiverr videos. But um, the the key is take what – I mean, you've learned just enough in this podcast – to go out there and take some action and do some things. Um, you know, it, and I tell people all the time, look, how many courses, I always ask, how many courses do you have right now sitting on your shelf? All right, 12 of them. Well, don't buy another one. Take, the, take what you already have and start implementing it because you have a problem of implementation. If, uh, if, if you're, right. <laughs> so anyway, enough of that. Um, Keith and Shannon, you guys are awesome. I wish we had another hour that we could talk uh, some more. Um, we're having a blast, so... Uh, thank you so much, uh, Joe and Alex. It's always a pleasure to be on here. I wish we could keep on for another hour because we all have a lot of passion, obviously, for what we do. Well, maybe we'll set up another interview with you guys in a few months and, and talk about some more Part things. four. Part four, yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right. Hey, uh, God bless you guys. Thank you, Alex. Take care. See you, Keith See and you. Shannon. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Joe. Alex, all the listeners. Have fun. Bye-bye. Prosperity. Bye-bye. 